Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who he's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. I came across this article in the New York Times, and it was entitled, How to Hug in the Pandemic. And when I saw it, I was like, okay, hold on. This is something that you grow up knowing how to do. You know, babies hug. Animals in the animal kingdom hug. You know, it's just an innate thing that now we have to be careful about. We don't realize the importance of this sense until we're not able to do it. So one of the things that I was thinking about is, as you guys know, I do chaplaincy ministry. And um, one of the tools in our toolkit is the tool of touch. So if any of you guys know me, I'm an affectionate person. I'm a hugger. Right. And I think sometimes it surprises people, you know, but I hug and I give real hugs. It's not like the little pet pet hug with the one, two, three on the shoulder like that. I'm going to embrace you. So if you don't like to be hugged, you might, I might make you uncomfortable. That's just that's just how I am, because I a part of me understands that need to feel connected, that need to feel like you're a part of the world, that need to make you feel like you're valued, you're important. And the thing that scares me about this time is that we have a generation that's grown up that is not affectionate. It's, it's what, what, the only thing we're touching is our phones. You know, what we touch a lot is our electronics, but we're not really touching each other in that way. So I think focusing on this particular topic and then now looking at the importance of it, but not only focus on that, but how we can better understand or perceive God's touch in our life and our touch to other people as the hands and feet of God is going to be important for us to focus on, at least for the next few minutes. The important thing about touch is we cannot talk about touch without first talking about the source of touch, which is our skin. Many of us know this is not biology, but we got to give you a little background just so we can connect it spiritually. Your skin is the largest organ in your body, right? Your skin is very important. Our skin allows us to be able to interact with our physical world and at the same time keep our internal and critical organs safe, right? So from your skin, you can detect pressure, you can detect textures, you can detect temperature, shapes, sizes of things. So even if you, if you can't see, if you can't hear or whatever like that, you can perceive through your touch and through your skin, you know, what you're dealing with. The skin has these receptors all over our body, but the beautiful thing about our skin is that it covers us, right? So our skin is our covering. So you can say that physical touch is possible to be perceived throughout your whole being. Without our skin, our vital organs would be exposed And we will be exposed to all types of threats and dangers. So any breaking in the skin that would potentially cause harm to our internal system, God designed our skin to repair itself. Right. And it made me think about the whole idea of Christ. And this is why it's important to really dedicate yourself to understanding all that comes with salvation, to all that comes passively through the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Right. So salvation is not just, oh, I gave my life to the Lord and I'm going to live for him. And that's the only benefit. The benefits are his protection. The benefits are just like our skin and our covering. 
He's supposed to cover our lives and cover our spirit man and cover us to keep us and keep our hearts shielded from the threats of anything outside of that protection. So there's a scripture in Romans 13 and 14, and it says, but clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's another uh, translation that says put on Christ, right? So it's very interesting the terminology that the Lord would use here and that clothe yourself, put Christ on as a covering and let everything that is desired to make contact with you make contact with your covering first, right? So it's making contact with Christ that you've clothed yourself on in order for now your interpretation of the world, your interpretation of each other, your interpretation of offenses, your interpretations of yourself, things that will come to try to attack your heart, things that come that will try to attack your mind, your, your mindset, come and try to steal your peace. They all have to come through your covering first, right? So just like your skin, everything that wants to come and penetrate your heart has to bypass your covering. So it's encouraging us here to put on Christ, clothe yourself with Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, and make no provision for indulging in the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about evil cravings for your physical nature to gratify its desires and lusts. So basically all those things that would threaten our peace, that would threaten a lifestyle that would be one that reflects a commitment to God. Clothing yourself with the covering of Christ. And it says Christ the Messiah. Clothing yourself with the one who saved you. Putting on his reputation over yours. Like you're putting him over your perception of yourself. So that now when offenses come and threats come and all this stuff come in your life to try to discourage you, to try to throw you off track. Clothing yourself with Christ. Clothing yourself with his image of you. His perception of you will allow you to be able to perceive things the right way. So mm -hmm. just as much as we can sense textures and things like that, there's also a part of the, the whole touch and sensory system that causes us to be able to perceive pleasure and pain. Now, this is interesting because when I was looking this up, um, they were saying, and many of us can relate to this, there are certain things we assume are going to be painful, right? So for instance, you go to the doctor, little kids go to the doctor and the doctor says, you're going to get a shot, right? God forbid. And I don't know if any of us have kids, but I have an interesting story. I remember one time I had to take the kids, both of the kids, for their immunization shots by myself. Okay. Because Rachel had to, uh, had to work and, um, I was off and the doctor's appointment just happened to be on a day where I had to take them by myself. Now, the reason why I'm using this, uh, because I really felt by myself because we had, I, and I'm the type to tell the kids, all right, today you're going to, you know, prepare to go to the doctor and you may, uh, have to face the needle. And immediately the alarms go off. Oh my God. So I'm getting a shot, daddy. So, so, so we're getting shots today. So we get to the doctor's office and uh, pray for my son. He's gotten a lot better now, but um, he, he, he gets really, really excited and traumatized about uh, the whole idea of getting a shot. So we go into the doctor's office and they do all the height check and everything like that and everything's good. And I can see them kind of being like, oh, OK, so maybe we're not getting a shot today. Maybe daddy was wrong. Maybe we're not going to get one today. And then the doctor says. Okay, so the nurse is going to come in and just going to get you uh, your immunizations and you'll be all done. And he has the happy voice, but I see the fright on my kids' eyes. 
And I'm once again, I'm by myself. So as soon as the door opens and the nurse comes in, zoom, my son runs out of the office, out into the hallway, out and tries to run away from the pain that he's anticipating. Right now, I use that example to help us to see that a lot of times our perception of pain is worse or our anticipation of pain is worse than what we actually experience. And a lot of times we will miss out on opportunities to experience benefits of things like that because of past trauma or because of past pain. So he runs out this office and now you can imagine, you know, now it, it, first of all, it makes me look crazy because now, you know, my kids are all over the place and we weren't the only ones in the doctor's office. This was just, you know, them running around. So I had to go back and get them and basically try to help them to get the immunizations that they were supposed to get. But I, I, that story came to me because when I thought about the connection between our experience of pain and our mindset, our mindset can manipulate our experience of touch. Right. So and this, this is the same thing. So I can hug my wife today because she's in a good mood or she's in a place to receive it. And it's the same exact hug that I give her today that she loves. But if her mind is somewhere else or she's frustrated about something or she's distracted or my timing is just off, I can hug her the same exact way. And it does. It's not perceived the same way. So it's the same hug. But it's being perceived differently. Why? Because a lot of our experience of touch has to do with our mindset. Mm-hmm. It has to do with where we are in the posture of our mind. Absolutely. I think one of the most powerful things about Jesus, and the pow- most powerful things about the idea and the concept of God coming down in the flesh to live in our skin and to experience what we experience helps us to be able to see that your needs are not that far from God and that God doesn't just care about you from a distance. God cares about you extremely intimately, so much so that he would put on your skin and die for you. Matthew eight verses one through three. And I'm going to read this in the easy to read Bible. Um, And this is going to help us to kind of see Jesus's posture the Lord's posture towards us when it comes to this sense of touch. Okay. And it reads, Jesus came down from the hill and a large crowd followed him. Then a man sick with leprosy came to him. The man bowed down before Jesus and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me. If you want, Jesus touched the man. He said, I want to heal you be healed. And immediately the man was healed from his leprosy. This is only a few verses, but I thought this was very, very powerful in showing us how how much God cares about us. Right. So this story opens up with Jesus. We all know he was working miracles and he he came to show us what God was really like. Okay, what God is really like. Um, And as, as, as we said before, Jesus was a miracle worker. Jesus comes on the scene and just wants to heal people, wants to show people the love and care of God. So he comes from he's coming down. He's become really, really popular at this particular point in this story. And there's a man who is quarantined because he has a disease that no one is supposed to touch him. He has a disease that quarantines him from society. Okay. 
Most time, leprosy, now we that know about leprosy, is not a common disease anymore, um, at least on this side of the world. But it's a, it, it was a common disease at that particular time where people's skin would fall off and it would be disfigured and things like that. And it was very, very contagious. Okay. It was, it was such a debilitating and ostracizing condition that you'd have to scream out when people got within a certain distance of you, unclean, unclean. Okay. I'm dirty. I'm dirty. Don't come near me. It was an isolating disease, right? Jesus being a rabbi or a priest at that time was not allowed, permitted to touch anything unclean. Okay. Jesus, God in the flesh is holy. He is not supposed to be touching anything, let alone anybody who is advertising the fact that they are unclean. Now, if Jesus has the power to heal any way he wants to, what stands out to me in this particular story is the fact that the man comes to Jesus, most likely we can assume out of respect for his own condition and his own position. So he doesn't come up to Jesus and grab him. He comes and the Bible says that he comes before Jesus and bows down before him at a distance and says, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you want to. Meaning that because this man had a condition that would require distance from everybody else, he is leaning on the willingness of the Lord to do something for him that he probably doesn't deserve. Many of us can see ourselves in our lives where we prayed and asked God, Lord, I need something you know, from you. And the condition that we're in is so isolated. I thought this was powerful because, I mean, look at the season that we're in right now, right? So many of us are lonely and afraid and isolated right now. So many of us are physically isolated, and sometimes that makes you feel isolated from God. You're isolated from church, isolated from those things that would draw you closer to a sense of community. Let's think about this man just coming and seeing an opportunity to be made whole. And he courageously comes up to Jesus and says, if you want to, you can heal me. Now, the next thing that happens, I think, is one of the most beautiful things about this text. Jesus touched him. Jesus touches this man and says, I want to heal you. Now, the question that came up to me when I was reading this was, was Jesus touching him necessary to heal him? Was Jesus putting his hands on this man, risking getting contaminated from this man? Was that necessary? No, because Jesus can speak a word and heal people. Jesus could have just waved his hand at the man or said, go on your way. He did it before. Go show yourself to the priests. Ten to ten lepers come to him and he speaks a word. And as they go, they're healed. But in this instance, Jesus makes a point to touch this man and says, I am willing to heal you, be healed. And the Bible says immediately the man was healed from his leprosy. The question about the touch in this particular instance and how we can feel connected to God is a lot of times we are questioning God's willingness to move on our behalf. We question God's willingness. And when we're faced with mistakes that we have made, the problems that we have caused ourselves, issues that we have gone into because of things that we've done. And we pray, Lord, help me out in this situation. Lord, if you want to, you can help me. 
Lord, if you want to deliver me, you can do it. And a lot of times what we tell ourselves is we go with this guilt battle and we tell ourselves, uh, uh, you know, if, if the Lord wills. And there's no confidence in God's willingness to be God for us in a situation that we have gotten ourselves into. And I tried to think about that. And I'm like, a lot of the stuff and a lot of the negative things that happened to us, it wasn't because God did it. It was because of the sin of man, whether it was my fault or some other sinful person, that the stuff that I've gone through was never God's fault. And if God didn't care about me to the point of getting involved in my situation, and God didn't care about me to create a whole idea of prayer where we can connect with heaven for earthly issues. I'm insulting God by saying he's not willing to do it. This man who has a contagious disease courageously comes before the Lord and says, if you want to, you can heal me. And Jesus's first response before he even says yes is he puts his hands on him. The Lord is putting his hands on all of us before he speaks to us. And what does that touch mean? That touch means I'm not intimidated by your problem. That touch means I'm here with you. Like I said before, in, in, in chaplaincy ministry, um, one of the things when, when you're seeing people in the most tragic situations, you know, you're seeing people with situations that you humanly cannot fix. And the first thing that you think about is, is, you know, first, what God, what, what can I do in this situation? What, what can I, I'm just, I'm here, but what can I do? And when the words don't come, there's nothing like a hand on the shoulder or, 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 or loving rub on somebody's back or just an embrace to let them know that you're not alone. In the same way, before, a lot of times we are looking to hear the Lord's voice, but we don't perceive his touch first. He's not always speaking in a way we can hear. Sometimes he's not speaking at all. Sometimes you can't hear him. He's just there. And if we can't perceive the presence of his touch in our lives, a lot of times we'll misinterpret the situations that we're in. He touches this man because he's not intimidated by his problem. He touches this man and says, I'm willing to risk being contaminated by what you're afraid of to heal you. I just think that's that's a beautiful thing. The Bible says immediately he was healed. But that healing, I believe, was deeper than just a physical ailment. I see that healing. The Lord Jesus touched him and said, I'm willing. Just imagine the emotional healing that that man received, that everybody else is running away from me. And I haven't been touched by someone who actually acknowledged me as a person in so long. And the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, puts his hands on me and says, everybody else has forgotten you, but I haven't. Everybody else is afraid of what you got, but I'm not. Everybody else is looking at you like you are a walking virus, but I'm not. I'm going to put my hands on you and let you know first I'm willing. And then I'm going to heal you. I just think it's awesome. I think this speaks so deeply to all of our situations where you are in your life. Whatever your leprosy issue is, whatever that is in your heart, whatever that pain that you've experienced in your life in the past 
that you carry. And when you see certain people come, you yelling, unclean. No, 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 no. I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm unclean in that area. And the Lord says, I'm willing to heal you of that. I'm willing to touch it if you are willing to come to me and ask me. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have shared feelings with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assault of temptation. We are not being loved on and being called to commitment with someone who is outside the realm of understanding and sympathizing with how we feel. The Lord knows and understands and sympathizes with your weaknesses, your infirmities, and your liability to fall into temptation. That the Lord understands your proclivities. He understands what your weakness is. He understands everything like that. He understands because the Bible says because he was tempted in every respect, just like we are, but he didn't sin. So then because we understand that about the Lord, because we understand that we have a sympathizing savior, we have someone who not only cares about us from heaven, but cares about us in our dealings in the earth every day. And he is not biased in his holiness in that he is so holy and he's so righteous that he doesn't care sympathetically about us. So there goes the excuses of people. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not uh, good enough to go to church or I'm not good enough to 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 commit myself to God. or I've done too much stuff or, uh, you know, I'm weak in this area or whatever. All of that stuff is excuses because the Bible is clearly telling us here that we don't have a high priest. That means he stands between us and the judgment of God. So we don't have someone, an advocate. He, 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 he stands between us and God who was unable to understand and sympathize with us. So because we understand that, let us fearlessly and then confidently draw near to the throne of grace. So that means because you understand that the Lord understands, that don't mean go have a permission slip to go do whatever you want. It basically means because you understand that God knows your weaknesses, you bring your weaknesses to him for grace and your confidence and knowing that he will be there for you comes from the fact that he understands. Now, the term here with sympathizing or understanding to sympathize with the feeling, that's the same term used to connotate touch. So another version of this verse says we don't have a high priest that is not touched by the feelings of our infirmities, meaning we don't have someone who's not able to feel the emotional gravity of what we are going through. That he understands because he's been touched deeply just as we are. And the thing about touching, like similarly to like you said, with the chaplaincy is the reason for touching and the reason for contact is is a reassurance to the other person that you identify with what they feel, mm -hmm. even if you haven't necessarily experienced the same exact thing, touching somebody, especially in a time of, yeah. of grief or uh, in a time of despair is a reassurance that lets, lets the person know that they're, they're not alone, mm -hmm. but that they're grounded. Mm. One of the other things about touch, mm -hmm. like you, you talked about temperature, how we're able to perceive temperature. Yeah. We're able, able to, receive, to perceive pressure. We're able to perceive um, 
texture. But another one that we don't think about is uh, that deals with the sense of touch is your spatial recognition. Mm. So losing your sense of touch. I was watching a documentary on this guy who lost his sense of touch because of an accident. And because of it, he, he was not able to perceive his mind and his, his hand. There was a disconnect and he wasn't able to perceive what he was touching and when he got close to something. Mm-hmm. He, he said one time he had his hand on his face and didn't realize it was his hand. Like he just saw a hand on his face. Mm. And because he didn't feel it, he didn't realize it was his hand. Mm. So the fact that our touch has to do with spatially where we are Mm -hmm. and our touch allows us the ability to sit on the couch and feel the ground underneath us. There's a sense of groundedness that we have also because we're touching Mm -hmm. things. And that's how that's how we are experiencing the world. Really, you know, I mean, all of our senses, but in the sense of touching, we're feeling what's mm-hmm. around us and that's able to help us understand where we are in the world mm. and that's uh, something right there because yeah. where we are physically but yeah. also spiritually where am i feel putting my sensors out and my my receptors what are they feeling what are they picking up on what am i touching what am i feeling so you know that helps us have an awareness of where we are and and mm-hmm. and where we are in relation to everything else how close we are but what I what I thought about when when I was thinking about touch is the fact that our hands are used the most. I won't say it is is mm-hmm. the most important aspect of touching, mm-hmm. but it is definitely one of Absolutely. the most important aspects of touching. And then I thought about the fact that in this season we are constantly being told wash your hands, right? Like. You know, you go into the store, they say, make sure you wash your hands. Commercials constantly saying, wear a mask, wash your hands, stay six feet apart, right? But what is the importance of washing your hands? If, if If our hands are primarily what we use to touch, then it is important, it's vital that we wash our hands so that we are... Number one, not potentially contaminating ourselves, Mm -hmm. but that we're not contaminating what we touch. Right. Like, you know, we 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 wash our hands when we come in the house and when we touch doorknobs because we've come in contact with the germs that have been on those surfaces Mm. that we had nothing to do with and that we didn't have prior knowledge of. You know, you go into the supermarket, you don't know who touched Mm -hmm. what you're touching Mm -hmm. before you. Mm -hmm. So. That would be why you need to wash your hands because you're coming in contact with it. Now you're touching something that somebody else has touched. So I thought about the fact that just like in the natural, so it is in the spiritual, God is requiring us to wash our hands Mm. as well because there are things and people that we are required to handle and will be required to handle So our hands must be clean. And the thing about hands is they represent what we do, right? They represent Mm -hmm. our livelihood. They represent who we come in contact. Like Mm -hmm. our hands represent our actions. Mm -hmm. In the scriptures, a lot of times clean hands and a pure heart are always paired together, right? Mm -hmm. So he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. So that means if I'm cleaning my hands, then my, my heart also needs to be purified. Because what is in my heart translates into what I do Mm -hmm. and it'll translate into what I touch and how I do what I do. 
And if we're not in a place where our hands are clean, then what we touch, we can potentially contaminate and it could be detrimental to not only us, but other people that will come in contact with it later. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that that thought came to me when I was, you know, just meditating yeah. on the fact that wow. we touch. I mean, I know you dealt with us feeling, mm-hmm. which is a part of touch, right? Mm-hmm. Our sense of feeling and feeling God and his touch and his presence. But also just keeping in mind what we touch and what we do with our hand, right? I thought about the example because, you know, I, I'm always thinking about like examples. Doctor because, analogy. Because the analogies are how I understand. Yeah, like it, it, it equates things and it sort of translates a concept into everyday life. So I'm always thinking of examples to help me understand. So Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the fact that you ever like, you know, either been eating or cooking or doing something that involves your hands and you don't realize, sometimes you don't realize what is on your hands, right? There's been times I've, I've eaten something or cooked and didn't realize what was on my hands. Mm -hmm. And I went to do something else. And when I did that something else and came in contact with that, I ended up staining what it was that I touched after doing what I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I it, like, it, it, and it would be something quick, like, oh, I'm just, well, you know, I'm eating this, but let me just, you know, my, my, my kids asked me to button up their shirt or, you know, something like that. And I don't want to take the time to wash my hands from one action to the other. So mm-hmm. because I didn't take, I didn't take that time to wash my hands after eating or cooking. And I went straight to the next uh, task that next task got affected by what, by what I did prior. Mm. And you probably looked at your hands and didn't think. That right. Were, yeah. Look, you look at your hands real fast. You do a once over. OK, they're fine. It's, I don't see any like major like mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing like noticeable. Mm-hmm. But how many times and this is the true test of whether or not your hands are clean. You have a war white mm. and, and put your hands on your clothes, your skirt or your <laughs> right. shirt. Yeah. You'll find out real fast how clean your, your hands really are. So just, again, keeping in mind and thinking about the fact that our hands, the cleanliness of our hands and how it translates into what we come in contact with Mm. after is something like to me, it's vital. And just remembering the fact that we are to clean our hands. James Mm four, it says, come close to God with a contrite heart and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. Now, the thing about washing your hands is the fact that you don't, you can't wash your hands one time and expect them to stay clean forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, that's not, it's a constant thing because you can't expect your hands to stay clean from washing them in the morning and you're going about your day coming in contact and doing other things, there's a constant need to wash your hands. And along with washing your hands, there's a constant need to purify your heart. Mm -hmm. We're constantly coming in contact with sin and our hearts and our hands are constantly presented with the threat of dirtiness and germs. Contamination. Contamination. Mm -hmm. So we have to cleanse our hands and our hearts so that what we touch, because if we're the hands of God in the earth, that means we're responsible for what we touch. Mm -hmm. And if we're touching with our germs on our hands and we're touching those people that we're coming in contact with, that we're supposed to impact and touch, 
in a positive way and they be and they get sick from our germs on our hands yeah the blood is on our hands so you know i, I that was something that i just wanted to no that's powerful and may we all become more aware of the lord's presence in our lives and the lord's touch in our lives and most of all lord i pray that even as we seek after you that we posture ourselves with clean hands and a pure heart so that we might be the touch that you want us to be to other people lord this is our prayer in jesus name We hope you've been blessed by what we share. You can follow us at Sunday Devotionals on Instagram and like us on Facebook, where we can continue our discussions and keep in touch. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you. Thank you.